Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sunday after the most memorable win in Ohio State uh, football in, frankly, quite some time. The Buckeyes with an incredibly dramatic win over the Notre Dame Fighting Irish yesterday, 17-14. Has a lot of people talking about the Buckeyes today. Some of it in a good light. In fact, an awful lot of it in a good light, but maybe not exclusively in the uh, positive light that you kind of hope and expect, given what happened yesterday. We want to dive into everything that we learned about the game, learned about this team. Um, I would say most of it is pretty good, but there are some things we probably want to address that uh, are, are worth talking about, even in an exciting win like this. So plenty to talk about here this evening as we break down all that we learned in Ohio State's big three-point win with that game-winning touchdown as time basically expired in Notre Dame Stadium yesterday. Coming up next, the Buckeye Breakdown Podcast. We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is EJ Liddell going to crack the first team all Big Ten? I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness. This is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. I'm Brendan Gulick, along with Anthony Meglin, and uh, certainly looking forward to talking about Ohio State's big win yesterday, 17-14 in South Bend, Indiana. Now that we're home, we've had a chance to digest the game and and, uh, clear our heads after the the fun emotions that come with uh, a a really cool win, like what Ohio State experienced last night. Of course, Buckeye Breakdown is the podcast associated with Buckeyes Now, or uh, the Fan Nation Network channel on Sports Illustrated's platform. We'd really appreciate it if you subscribe to this channel, hit the notification bell so you know when we go live. I would say 95% of the time we're live at 7 a.m. on weekday mornings. Uh, Occasionally we go live at at, uh, additional times, and certainly we've got live coverage for you Saturdays and Sundays as we talk Buckeye football here all season long. Anthony, I I think maybe the best place to start is uh, an interesting proposition because I, I have read probably more often today from writers all over the country, some that are local, some that are national, some that uh, are, are you know regional to these schools, some that are way on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. I'm gathering a little bit more regularly than I expected that the, the consensus opinion is that Notre Dame lost this game more than Ohio State won this game. And I, I'm having a hard time getting behind that idea because I can understand a few instances where Notre Dame made some mistakes. Mm-hmm. So did Ohio State. And and I just don't know that I'm willing to sit here and say that, you know, with a minute and 26 seconds left and the ball on your own 35-yard line, that Kyle McCord marching the team down, making, you know, a, a couple of misses along the way, but largely clutch throw after clutch throw, um, I know there were only 10 guys on the field, man. I get it. We're going to talk about that for for the last play. But I feel like Ohio State had a chance, took the bull by the horns, and went on and won this game. And I don't think they're getting enough credit for that. Yeah, it's it's that's a 
it's it's just really your the, your perception of or the perspective you're coming from because I think that there's a number of instances where you could say Ohio State took took advantage of what they had and, and won the football game and at the end of the day right like third and nineteen um, you know you can make a lot of excuses for a lot of things but you still got to deliver a football you still got to make a catch fourth and eight you still got to drop back with pressure in your face against tight man coverage and make a clutch throw and move the sticks you know third and seven earlier in the drive you still got to make those throws so yeah if you're looking at it with uh with green color glasses you know i think you can say that maybe notre dame lost the game the only play that you know from you know an ohio state perspective where you're like okay we got lucky is the dropped interception which would have sealed the deal um but hey that did they didn't make the play like and that's fine what guess what? Ohio State still had to go 40 more yards to win the football game, and they did that. Um, you know, that's kind of the biggest takeaway. Um, uh, in my opinion, was that you know, there was two teams out there that had a chance to win the football game, and one did it. You know, I don't care what happened out there, one team has more points than the other team, and that team's luckily ours, and then it's Ohio State. And um, you know, I, I think that you know that sentiment of Notre Dame blowing the game, you know, whatever. Um, you know, I think Ohio State did plenty enough, in my opinion, to, uh, to to get credit for going out there and taking a huge, you know, a huge game in a hostile environment, in enemy territory, um, and, and, and kind of moving to 4-0. Four, four and I mean, I think that was such – as we've grown, you know, we're now 24 hours away. As we keep going further and further away from it, I get more impressed by the, the win that, that the Buckeyes put on yesterday. And look, I understand that maybe, you know, from a Notre Dame fan perspective, you're, you're probably hurting today, right? I mean, there have been there have been a lot of, uh, of games in the last decade where you just felt like victory was snatched away from you at the, at the super last second. Um, mm-hmm. and, and maybe this one stings more than others because of the way – you know, literally the, the drive that happened at the end of the game to put it away. Um, but I, I can point to a number of instances on both teams where there just flat out wasn't enough execution for, for any separation. And, you know, both teams had coaching staffs that that chose to be really aggressive. Um, both teams struggled in some short yardage situations in, in critical moments. I, I, I just don't – and look, I, I don't think Notre Dame was pointing any fingers and saying, hey, you know, um, we we just – we let that one go. Um, I, I thought there was some ownership in mm-hmm. the Notre Dame postgame press conferences, right? Like no nobody at that side of things was taking away from Ohio State what they did. I'm sure Notre Dame fans are feeling like, you know, God, what's it going to take for this team to, to figure it out and put a game away late? And I – I get that, but yeah, we're going to talk about Ohio State more, and and I I think the appropriate perspective to take here is you got a young quarterback who's playing in the biggest game of his life. You you play high school ball, and and you're recruited by everybody all over the country, and you think about where am I going to go play my college football? What kind of stadiums can I play in? What kind of atmosphere can I play in? What's my experience going to be like? You literally dream of moments like last night and, and to get the chance not to play in that game, not, not just to play in it, but to have a chance to run a two minute drill late like that and go deliver. I mean, Kyle McCord's he's big man on campus, man. He's a superhero. I mean, think about it, Brennan, anyone who's ever, even us, like anyone who's ever picked up a football or cares about football has spent some time in their backyard, either with their brother or their dad or their neighbor or their friend 
hey, we got one minute to go in Ohio State Stadium. We're down three. We got to go score. You you dream of that situation as a kid. Uh, and Kyle got to go out and do it in real life. And, I mean, sitting in that stadium last night, I couldn't get over the fact that – or just the environment, like how intense it was, how loud it was, how just crazy it was. And the fact that they were so cool, calm, and collected, composed, um, and, and he was able to execute in the biggest stage of his football life, um, you know, talking about Kyle McCord, I think was just an incredible thing to watch and witness. And for him, it's got to be, you know, you wake up this morning and you're like, did that just happen? Did that actually happen? Like, did that? Did I just lead a, a game-winning drive against top ten Notre Dame in South Bend? You know that, like, that is what you dream of as a kid. And, and you know, it's hats off to Kyle McCord, man. He has his fair share of doubters, you know. Um, and for whatever reason, you know, can't maybe can't make all the throws, or maybe not athletic enough, or maybe not tall enough. But he said, "Hey, screw it, I'm going to go win a football game, the biggest one in the country yesterday." And he went and did it, and it was awesome. All I'm going to say is. Craig Krenzel won a national championship. And I think mm -hmm. Kyle McCord's a better quarterback than Craig Krenzel was. Um, and, and maybe everybody's wrapped up in the identity of what this team has been as this ridiculous, explosive offense. And maybe they'll still get there. We, we'll, we can talk about that, especially going into a, a week here where the, the Buckeyes are, are on a bye. Um, mm -hmm. But the identity of this team to me is becoming more and more about the defense uh, and I want to dive into that too, but I want to put the Notre Dame part of the discussion to bed here quickly. So let's talk about Marcus Freeman for a, just a quick second and the comments he made post game. Cause I, I like Marcus Freeman and, mm -hmm. and it was interesting to me that last year, you know, he loses the opener. He goes home and stubs his toe against Marshall and it, and it like quickly becomes not a great season, but the kind of season where where Irish fans are like willing to give him the benefit of the doubt because he's a first time head coach and maybe it's going to take a little bit of time to figure it out. I have a really hard time now that I have kind of gone back and, and listened to exactly what he said post game. I have a really hard time defending him in, in his uh, his perspective the last two plays of the game, everybody on planet Earth that watched this game at this point now knows that there, there were only 10 guys in the field for Notre Dame for the last two plays defensively. He said post-game that he knew after the first of those two plays, the incompletion to Marvin Harrison, he knew that there were only 10 guys on the field and that he told the 11th player, don't come out onto the field because I don't want to take a substitution penalty for bringing a guy on, not taking a guy off, mm -hmm. and and give up half a yard. He said he would rather play 10 on 11 from the one-yard line than 11 on 11 from the half-yard line. And he had a chance to make the substitution anyways because I'm sure Ohio State's coaching staff recognized there were 10 guys on the field because they made the substitution. Chip Trainum came in for Travion Henderson, which means the referee goes in front of the quarterback holds a play to make sure the defense doesn't sub. It was a deliberate decision not to take a, 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 an 18-inch penalty where you had dominated the line of scrimmage in the second half. And I think that that is something that is never going to leave his legacy. That was a bad decision. It, it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. Like 
you can take unlimited penalties. The only thing that I could think of in my head is that it was third or fourth down. And like, hey, I don't want to give up the first down. Well, it doesn't matter. Like it that that part doesn't matter because they don't have any timeouts. Like if you just sure. stop them, if you, you stop them, if you stop them, three seconds left in the game. You either stop it doesn't even matter. Like, or you give up a touchdown and you lose. That's it. It's it. It makes no sense. You could have infinite penalties. You could have an infinite number of substitution penalties without the ball crossing the goal line. Like it does that comment makes like less than no sense to me because you could do anything. I would have if I was a defensive lineman and I recognize it and I look to my right and my guy's not there, I would jump off sides or like touch the offensive lineman or like, coach, like we're missing a guy. This is the biggest play of the game. And guess what? They ran it right where there's one guy missing, you know, and Chip got in by the skin of his teeth, man. It was like that comment to me. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. I, I don't know if I missed something and I watched it back and like definitely heard it in context. Like he was very clearly, obviously like we're, not, I don't want to take this penalty, which I, I don't, I don't understand at all. Yeah. Um, you know, so at this point, you know, maybe it was he was trying to cover for his defense line coach or something along those lines. But like, dude, man, that that was a tough. I, that doesn't make any sense at all. He blew it. I mean, it just flat out. He, he I, I, I am of the opinion that he made a mistake. Maybe even privately, he would still defend it rather than. Than what he did publicly. I don't I don't want to pretend to know what went on behind closed doors, the conversations. I'm sure they were hurting. I'm sure it was, you know, maybe he made a comment in, in the moment when he was asked about it, whatever. R- regardless, I, I as an Ohio State fan, you you sit there and you say thank you very much because that that was substantially helpful in, in Ohio State literally winning the game on that play. Unbelievable. Okay. Yeah. It's just an unbelievable comment. It, like I said, it doesn't make any didn't make any sense to me when I heard it. I had to rewatch it back. It doesn't. That whole sequence was just a, a very weird situation. Um, yeah. And hey, Ohio State fans, you love it, right? Hey, we got to run the last play of the biggest game with ten guys against us. So hey, you'll take that every day, for sure. All right, back back to the Buckeye focus here and the the emotions of the final few minutes of the game the immediate reaction post game with Ryan day on the field, the pent up energy that, that exploded from apparently the fuel that had been, you know, given to them all week, Lou Holtz's comments that, that Ryan basically doubled down. And after having a chance to, you know, light him up on national TV uh, came around in the post game press conference room 20 minutes later. And it was still the first thing out of his mouth Obviously, he was he was pretty upset about that. So, I think it's interesting here that because so many people picked Notre Dame to win this game, and and I can understand why they did. Notre Dame's really good. Like that was not a fluky effort. They're good. Mm-hmm. I don't know the last time I can remember Ohio State being favored all week. In Vegas, they, they were never the underdog in this game. It wasn't a huge spread, but they were favored mm-hmm. all week. And yet it, it kind of felt like everybody doubted them this week. And I, I wonder how many times that might happen this year. And and are people all of a sudden going to buy in now because of the win against Notre Dame? Or, or does that suddenly clear the cobwebs somehow and, and you just, okay, the Buckeyes are – the Buckeyes, they're going to be the you know the, the team with the target on their back no matter what. I, I'm interested to see the national perspective moving forward on that. 
my guess is that it will change a little bit because think about early in the year, like, hey, this was a good opportunity. I think that everyone was like, oh, my gosh, Notre Dame maybe has something this year, so we're going to ride them, right? But now I think moving forward with this win from Ohio State, I think this was a very Michigan field like game. Like it was very physical. It was tough. It was, it was hard. No 17, 14, like old school, big 10, um, you know, which, which was that feel to it. Um, and I think that, you know, kind of going forward, you don't, you know, you think that, Hey, when the, it is time to go against Penn state and it is time to go against Michigan, are the national is the national perspective going to lean back on a game like like yesterday's and be like, hey, Ohio State is proven in this. Like maybe they, they can catch a Penn State team who hasn't seen something like this, or a Michigan team who you know hasn't had hasn't been tested the way that Ohio State has. Um, and I think that that national perspective will change. I think it was just uh, maybe a fatigue, like an Ohio State fatigue, that everyone was like, all right. Maybe Notre Dame has a chance this week, and um, we're going to doubt Ohio State. And we're going to pick against them as much as we could because, you know, it, I totally agree with the sentiment that everywhere you went and every, everything you heard was that Notre Dame was going to get this win, and they people were confident in that. Um, and, you know, and Ohio State came out and proved them wrong. But I think that that narrative will change, um, you know, as the year kind of progresses here. And, and like, I almost wonder if everybody was trying to be a little too creative. We got a question here from Jason asking about, uh, offensive line play. And maybe this is the appropriate time to bring it up because mm-hmm. we said all week leading up to this game, I think we were sort of in unison that we felt like this game was going to be won or lost in the trenches on both sides of the ball because Notre Dame's offensive line is excellent. Uh, Ohio State's defensive line has a lot of talent, but maybe didn't put up the stats that you wanted to see from them the first few games. Ohio State's offensive line seems like they're comfortable in pass protection. Kyle McCord was largely kept clean again. Uh, and yet when it came time to get some tough short yardage situations, you know, got to have it kind of yards, Ryan Day doesn't have to say it. And, and even if he says something to the contrary, his play calling tells me what I need to know. I'm fourth in goal from the one. He called a play action pass. On, on a fourth and one, he runs a jet sweep with a Mecca Ibuka late in the game that gets stood up mm-hmm. and you're running laterally. Like there seems to be a lack of desire to just get it done when it needs to get done. And I don't know where the breakdown is, if it's a, a lack of faith, if it's a lack of execution, if things just aren't perfect because Notre Dame's defensive line is really good. Whatever the case is, it it was a good, not great day, in my opinion, mm-hmm. from Ohio State's offensive line. I don't know that they need an elite offensive line to win a national championship either. They just need to be good enough to give the offense opportunities. And against a really good defense yesterday, they were good enough. Not by much, yeah. but they were good enough. Yeah, right. And it's just you got to be one point better. Um, and they were. But dude, I, I mean, Brendan, I agree with you. Like it's very evident, you know, kind of what the feel is, you know, you think back, the the one that's going to stick in my head was the fourth down um, going in when they ran the jet sweep. Like that was the big play. They ran it to the short side of the field. I don't necessarily agree with, you know, a lot of things in that play call, but when you kind of peeled the layers back a little bit, it's like, Hey, why didn't we just run it up the middle? Um, and, and you really just, you, even a quarterback sneak would have been, I think a better, uh, a better option there. Uh, but you know, you, you run it to the outside and just like you said, that, that's saying, that's giving a message without saying anything, right? You're, you're, you you do not really trust what's going on inside. I, I say that 
lightly. I don't know what, want him to come after us. You know, after the game, he's like, hey, you watch the tape. Our, our guys are tough and inside. And I agree. They played well enough. But, like, there's definite – there's breadcrumbs everywhere where it's like, hey, maybe he doesn't trust them in every situation. Um, and even on the last play, like, if, if Chip's leg doesn't, um, doesn't pop up and, like – if that doesn't happen, is he short? You know, is it potentially short? And is that game over? Like, and that was one getting, you know, half a yard against 10 guys on defense and running out of running out of gap that it was unoccupied, you know? So there's, there's definitely, um, like, there's definitely breadcrumbs throughout the game and throughout the different play calls that, you know, there's a, a lack of trust, I think from his side of things with, with the offensive line. But like you said, what they did yesterday was enough to get the job done. And that was the goal. We do watch the tape for what it's worth. We do it every Monday. We're going to do it tomorrow morning. We're going to have plenty of uh, tape that we're going to show you. So uh, uh, shameless plug mid-show, even though we usually do that at the end of the show as well. We'll have a nice little film breakdown from uh, some of the good and some of the bad from yesterday. So hope you'll join us tomorrow morning for that. Uh, but plenty more to talk about in the meantime. You know, I, I was thinking back to um, when Ryan Day got the job and Urban Meyer made it a big deal that that's the guy that's going to lead this program. And so I, I, I haven't really thought much about this really until the last 24 hours. Ryan Day, I, I, I'm quite happy to admit this publicly, Ryan Day is probably my favorite coach that I've ever covered in any sport. And I, I cover a lot of different sports. Um Ryan has a, a a humanness to him. Um humanity, I guess is the right the better, you know, more correct way to say it. But he he has a um he has an aura about him that's approachable, that's professional, but that that makes you feel like he's you know, you, you know, when you're talking to him that you've got his attention. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you there's a lot of coaches that that's not the case. I was interested to see when we would see publicly whatever it is that Urban felt so strongly about when he essentially self-appointed Ryan to be the guy to take over the program. And last night, no, we've seen a few instances along the way. The Georgia game last year comes to mind. But I have never seen Ryan Day that fired up. And it made me wonder, gee, I wonder if he's actually more like that behind closed doors that we just never see, that maybe he has an ability to let the temperature come down. And when he addresses reporters or when he talks publicly or when he's in public, that maybe he has the ability to dial that back a little bit. It was pretty obvious to me how personally he took all of the hate not just from Lou Holtz, although certainly that he that he called you know Coach Holtz out. Um, I I think Buckeye fans loved the fire, loved the energy, and it it happened because of a win, so that was good too. I, I felt like I saw Urban in Ryan Day last night, and to so many people around the country, they're not going to like hearing that. To Ohio State fans, they've been dying for it, and I felt like mm-hmm. we finally got that last night. Yeah, and coaches are so good. The the great ones are so good at turning that being able to flip that switch 
right? They come to the media and they come, they're the face of the program. They're buttoned up. It's a lot of coach speak. It's a lot of, you know, the cliche things and, you know, making sure that they're the face of the program. And when they go behind the locker room doors, it's a whole different guy. I think you kind of maybe saw that not only with him yesterday, but you look at Dan Lanning in Oregon, they had that clip from the locker room there. And like, you see their real personalities. Now we could have a conversation if there should be cameras in the locker room and whatnot. I think that's a different story. That's a song for another time, but because that's such a sacred place and those guys, you, you know, you build such a relationship with your team and you're the leader of that team and they know your true personality. They know they they've seen that coach day. He's even said it the last couple of days of the week were really emotional for him. Um, and so you could feel that. Right. And it's like, Hey, what were, what was practice like? And only that, only that group, only this group of Ohio State players know exactly like, hey, this this is big to Coach Day. And when it's so cool, in my opinion, when that stuff leaks over like it did last night, um, because honestly, man, we want to see that true set, the, the true self of those coaches. We want to see the true self of those players. Right. When they get the opportunity to talk. And sometimes, you know, there's give and take there, right? Like, you know, you get a sound bite from somebody and, and people run with it, especially in our day and age where it's like you can clip stuff and it, it's all out of context and whatnot. But like the, seeing that from him last night, I thought was a really, really cool thing because you could see how much it meant to him for really the first time that he showed that type of emotion. And for me, it tells me what this team means to him because this is a little bit different of a challenge. Um, he doesn't have his, you know, it's not CJ Stroud stepping up for year two or Justin Fields stepping up for year two. Like this is a little bit of a challenge. You got a whole new offensive line, new quarterback, you know, you're trying to make this all mesh and it's hard, man. That's, this is a hard deal. Uh, and, and to see him react the way that he did after the biggest win that this program's had, in, well, I shouldn't say Ohio state, the biggest win of this year, um, was so cool. And it was so eye opening um, that he was able to show us that. And I loved it. I, I personally Really, really loved it. Um, and I know Ohio State fans did as well. Like my group texts were going crazy. I wasn't able to, I wasn't watching on TV. Obviously, I was there. So we were walking out of the stadium and obviously didn't have NBC on my phone or whatnot. And my group text lit up like, oh my gosh, we got our guy. Like this fires me up, like all sorts of stuff um, for him. And I think it was really big to him because, right, there's a lot of question marks surrounding him this year after what's been going on the past couple of years. Um, and I think that was just so, so cool for us to see and, and Buckeye Nation to see as well. You know, I, I'm trying not to be too prisoner of the moment because you think back to, to 2020 and I mean, God, the, the season was just a cluster. Um, mm -hmm. But the win over Clemson was a big deal. Now, Ryan never had a moment where he went bananas post game, um, but it was pretty obvious that, you know, from feeling like they got jobbed in 2019 in the Clemson game to, to, to basically saying, Hey, these guys are going to be good again next year. Cause Trevor Lawrence is still here. You know, we want Clemson. We're, we're going to work our way back to getting another crack at them and, and to bury them the way they did. I know that was really full circle for Ohio state. Um, but all of the handcuffing that season, you didn't even play Michigan. Some of the games that were COVID canceled, you had one hand tied behind your back playing Alabama and you got smoked in the national championship game. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the next two years, you lose at Oregon at home uh, in a frustrating game for sure. Joe Moorhead organized a great game for Oregon that night, you know, didn't play well in the second half against Michigan two years ago. And he even acknowledged that last night and saying, Hey, look, that was not a, 
not a good half, but it's the only bad half that I'm willing to acknowledge publicly, Ryan said, um, you know, from that Michigan game a couple years ago. Last year, a tough game. The scoreboard reflected a maybe a more lopsided loss than than what Ohio State, you know, internally felt, but obviously it was a bad loss to Michigan. Uh, and you know, you you win the Rose Bowl and it was awesome. God, that was a, an instant classic, but like it was an exhibition and, mm-hmm. and you had a couple guys opting out of the game and like your season wasn't hanging in the balance. So again, I, I don't think it's too prisoner of the moment to look at last night as a defining, truly defining moment in Ryan Day's coaching career. It's very obviously a defining moment in Kyle McCord's playing career. Um, and it's the kind of thing that for me, I think this team never lacked belief that they could go there and win and that they could go win a national championship this year. But there is an element of the proof is in the pudding. And when you know, hey, this is like the first big game of the year, right? Like we're not gearing up for Indiana or really getting fired up to play Youngstown State or Western Kentucky. Some of that hype is like manufactured. When you know you're going to go play a team like Notre Dame on the road and you got to go do it, and then you do in the fashion they did it. I think this is a springboard for this team because they got a good Maryland team coming in. I'm telling you right now, Penn State looks really good. Michigan mm-hmm. looks really good. Uh, Penn State might be the best team in the Big Ten this year right now. Through four games, they embarrassed Iowa yesterday. So I, I think this can be a vindicating moment for an Ohio State team that's plenty capable of winning the Big Ten, but they got a couple of big tests still in front of them for sure. And Brendan, I don't know if you were able, if you watched this happen, but from my perspective, the not only the outpouring from Ryan Day at the end of the game, I thought was was really cool, but the outpouring of the team um, after after the um, after Chip scored. Um, obviously, it's a big play. They would have reacted like crazy, you know, regardless. Uh, but it was it was awesome to see them just totally go crazy. And then after everything kind of settled down after the review and after the kick. They were still going, I mean, really crazy. They understood the moment. And you make a really good point about the vindication part of it. And it's really hard early in the year, especially for for them, to play, in no disrespect, like three preseason games almost, and really start continuing to have question marks, okay? Like not Indiana. I shouldn't say that about Indiana. But like, you know, Youngstown State, you're paying them to come to Columbus. Western Kentucky, you're paying them to come to Columbus, and you're paying them to to kind of prep up for Notre Dame. And there were still a lot of questions. And, and that does seep into the players' minds. Like, hey, are we able – are we on this level? Are we on the level, the national level that we need to be? Um, and to see them prove it to themselves last night is awesome. You know, you take the coaches out of it. You take the storylines out of it. You know, you make it just purely football. And the 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 guys on the Ohio State – guys wearing the Ohio State Buckeyes uniforms last night now believe that they can go toe-to-toe with anybody because of the performance that they put on um, last night. And, and you could see them realize it at the end, and it was really cool to, to kind of watch that too. I know Ohio State's not going to look past Maryland, but – I think Maryland right now might be the fourth best team in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's to me, it's pretty obvious the three best teams in the Big Ten are, you know, in no particular order, Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan. Um, I, I don't think anybody would really argue that. But who's the best of the rest? There are good elements to some other teams. But top to bottom right now, Maryland actually looks pretty good. 
And if they take care mm-hmm. of business and they, you know, come into Ohio State undefeated, it's actually going to be a, a chance for a decent game. Then uh, I, I don't think the Buckeyes are uh, going to look past them. Um, but I also think Ohio State's probably grateful to have a week off here because mm-hmm. Marvin Harrison Jr. needs to get his ankle healthy. And, yeah. you know, that was that was a pretty rough and tumble game last night. Kyle McCord that, was beat up. I mean, you could see a huge strawberry on his on his elbow post game. Uh, just kind of the way he was walking into the post game press conference. You know, it was a tough game. Chip Trainum, tough game. Lathan Ransom, the way he played yesterday. Sonny Styles, the way he played yesterday. I think having a week off might not be a bad thing right now. That was a ten round fight, man. I mean, and there was haymakers left and right again and again, both ways. Ohio State was hitting, Notre Dame was hitting. Um, and you're right. This is the perfect time to have a bye week. And like, think of the last month that, that Ohio State's had. You know, it's been, you know, it's had to be a lot from the inside. You know, there's a lot of stuff. They had a quarterback competition going to week three. You know, you're trying to figure out the offensive line. Things aren't going great defensively. You know, you're pretty much locked down, but still some questions. It's that's a lot. And now you have a lot of the answers to it. And now everyone can believe it. You know, when we're you and I are sitting here talking before Western Kentucky saying, hey, Kyle McCord's the guy, and we're telling you that. But the evidence is Youngstown State and Western Kentucky. There's a lot of questions out there. But when the evidence is Notre Dame and, and a, a one, you know, a last second drive, all right, there's no questions there. And there's no questions anywhere else on this team. So now you go into this bye week, take a deep breath, get healed, first and foremost. Like Marvin Harrison, get yourself in an ice bath. Get yourself into the cold tubs. Like, don't touch a field for a week. Um, and just relax. Get all these guys ready to rock because this stretch coming up here, you're starting to really get into that Big Ten schedule. Um, is gonna be it's gonna be a long stretch, and there's gonna be a lot of good teams in there. I think we're seeing that, you know, kind of across the board in college football, that there's a little bit more, um, a little bit more balance, right? There's not the same teams up top, and a lot of the even in the conferences, you know, a lot of teams, you know, that haven't been historically in the past 10 years um, relevant, uh, you know, are kind of making a push. Um, and really challenging some of the top dogs. So, you know, you're, you're going to take this week, get everything right, uh, get healthy, and, and get ready for a stretch run here that's going to be pretty special. And how much fun is it that it feels like college football is kind of a wide-open race right now? Uh, Isn't it great? Honestly, it makes me even, look forward to next year. Late night, too. Late night game last night. Sure. Like, even USC was in a battle with Arizona State. It, it ended up being a three-score win, but – when I ended up falling asleep, it was it was a one score game, and Drew Pine, former Notre Dame quarterback, is is taking an Arizona State toe to toe with USC. So everywhere you look, the Pac-12 is relevant. You think don't we may not know this, know this our fans, but Washington, the Washington Huskies are a a fun team to watch and b going to be Pretty very good. very relevant as the team goes along, uh, as the season goes along. They play at ten o'clock every Saturday, so we we're asleep by then, but. Get, get an opportunity to watch the Huskies because they, they're, they're legit too. So there's a lot of cool teams that are new and, and are going to be new to the party this year, which is fun. Michael Penix still uh, still makes my spine tingle a little bit, man. That kid, that kid was that close to beating Ohio State in front of a bunch of cardboard cutouts a few years ago. He, uh, um, he could really, really play. He's fun to watch. Stat of the day. For him, uh, Washington leads the country. I know this isn't a Washington podcast, so we'll get off this. But uh, stat of the day that all of football I've heard in a long time um, is he's averaging and Washington's averaging 11 yards per drop back. Right? You, you've you we we break this down. You break passing down in like 11 yards per completion, 11 yards per attempt. 
They're averaging 11 yards per dropout, which includes sacks. That includes incompletions. That includes uh, <laughs> it includes uh, completions. It, their offense is off the chart. So anyway, we'll get off. I'll get off my uh, Washington soapbox. I don't know where it came from, but I was just you know listening to football stuff today, and and just wanted to share that as well. But that uh, yeah. you know, it's kind of funny. The Pac-12 is is now the Pac-2, uh, and and I'm interested to see what's going to happen there. And and actually, the teams in that conference are kind of balling out, which is kind of fun. Uh, also, I'm not even the least bit sad that Oregon smacked Colorado yesterday. That's I, was wondering, I was wondering if that was going to come up. Only 35 minutes in that came up. A um, <laughs> couple other things. Uh, this was an interesting note that I uh, admittedly, I don't know if this made the broadcast last night. Um, and it, it's probably not like headline news, but just to maybe underscore how used to big offensive performances we've gotten uh, last night was a record-breaking night in, I guess, in the negative way. Um, Ohio State snapped an NCAA record 75 consecutive games of scoring at least 20 points. Uh, and they certainly had a few chances where they could have you know, uh, broken that threshold. Um, but it's the first time in a very, very long time that Ohio State didn't even score 20 points. And um, I think it undermines – or I'm sorry, I think it underscores the identity of this team being a defensive identity. And, and I want to talk defense here before we uh, before we finish up for the night. Um, I'm I don't know about you, man. I'm I'm cool with this being a team that you know we think defense first. Uh, if they're going to play like that, you know, it, it wasn't a perfect performance for the defense either. But knowing that that was the Achilles heel for this team the last couple of years as they tried to win a national title where they had all the offensive talent in the world to get it done. Nobody would ever question that. They couldn't stop giving up big plays. Now you know they've still got enough offensive pieces to do it, but the defense looks like the the kind of unit that can carry you through some of those ups and downs offensively. If I'm an Ohio State fan, man, I, I'd be fired up about that. You, you got to be. And what's this? How's the saying go, Brendan? Like when we're growing up, you know, offense wins games, defense wins championships. And like you could think that's an old wives' tale, you know, or, or whatever it is. You think it's your, your, you know, your dad or your brother telling you that, so you get you to play to to get down a defensive stance in basketball. But it's really true. Like it, it's 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 a big deal. And you, and you look the the reason I love that in football, especially, is because when you really think about it. You know, when an offense is struggling, and you got to think, why is an offense struggling? Well. You need 11 guys to do their job together at the same time, at the right time for a successful play. So if we're dropping back to pass and, and Marvin Harrison runs the wrong route, but all the 10 other guys do their job correctly, it's going to be a negative play. Okay. Or he runs the right route, beats his guy, and you know our center, Carson Hinsman, misses his block, and, and now we get a sack. Well, that's a negative play. However, on the defensive side, you could have 10 guys do the wrong thing and Denzel Burks in the right spot at the right time and knocks the ball away. And that's a plus. So on defense, it's like when you have the ability to dominate games, you know, as your if your offense ever goes into a lull or there's trying to find their way or find their identity, defenses can carry teams. And when you don't have a defense that just turns the pressure all the way up on the offense. It's like, Hey, Every time you come on the field, it's going to be after a kickoff. You're going to be on the 25-yard line, and there's going to be points on the board, whether it's three or seven, whatever. But you have no idea the the feeling it is when you get the ball 
at the 35-yard line or the 40-yard line, and you look at the scoreboard, and maybe you're struggling. I sure had my fair share of days where we were struggling, and the other team has zero points. You're like, okay, we're still in it. We'll figure it out, and we'll go. And when your team is defensive-driven, as these guys are, and they have a sound unit doing that, that can take you a long, long way. It really can. Um, and I love that that's kind of the feel for the first time in a long time where it's like the last three, four years. It's been this offense is high-powered. This is a Ferrari. This is this, this, and this. Well, this year maybe a little, just a little bit different. Hey, this defense is elite, and they're going to drive this team, and they're going to take this team where they want to go. And guess what? There's no problem with that. There's not one problem with that, um, having a team that led by a defense. I think it's great. I, I, I think – the willingness to be physical in the run game can be a calling card for Ohio State late uh, in the season because you look at the makeup of Penn State and Michigan, which are the two biggest games left on the schedule. Yeah, J.J. McCarthy and Drew Eller are, are really good quarterbacks, but those teams want to run the ball. And mm -hmm. Michigan's game plan in the last two years was we're just going to run it till you stop us. And they didn't really get stopped. Certainly, especially two years ago, um, I I really like the outlook for Ohio State the rest of the season because their defense hasn't let up, and I think a lot of people wanted to see it before they believed it. I think we've talked about the fact that on on this show that we had seen it enough in certain instances where we wanted to see things even you know strategically get better not just well you're playing Youngstown State you should dominate the line of scrimmage uh, I, I felt like I had seen enough through the first three weeks to believe in in this unit I did lots of radio hits all over the country and people were asking well how's Notre how's Ohio State going to stop Notre Dame their offense is great and I said it every single time like just wait this defense is real this year and mm -hmm. and what Sonny Styles can do the versatility there Josh Proctor's been great in the run game. Denzel Burke looks like an All-American corner. Tommy Eichenberg is a stud. Um, you know, do I want to see a little bit more from the defensive line? I think everybody does. I get irritated when Mike Hall's not in there when, when Ty Hamilton is. I like Mike Hall better than Ty Hamilton. It's not any offense to Ty. Ty's a good player. I like Mike better. I want him on there. So I get frustrated when Mike Hall's not in there. But I don't know. What JT Tuimolo did yesterday was – Pretty darn impressive. Tyleek Williams played a great game yesterday. Like this defense can win a national championship. And when things are going to get a little knockdown drag out against Penn State and against Michigan later in the year, because you know what their formula is, you know how they're going to try to attack you. I, I, I like Ohio State's chances of being right in the thick of it. And Brennan, my favorite part of it too, along with everything you just mentioned, is they now proved in a game where, hey, you're going to face an elite defense like they did on Saturday against Notre Dame. We're going to be in it all all throughout it. This defense is going to keep you in that football game until until Travion Henderson can break a 60 yarder, or until you know Marvin Harrison finds some space. Like we'll keep you in this game. Offense, keep working, keep working, keep working. And we can win a game where we don't score 20 points because our defense is so darn good. Um, and that's something you can lean back on, whether it's against Penn State or against Michigan or, you know, it's against Maryland or somebody like that, where it's like, hey, you know, wherever it may come in this Big Ten schedule, this defense is going to have you involved at all times um, because they're so darn good. All right, you're the quarterback on this show that that beat the number one team in the country twice in in a four week stretch. So you you're the one that gets the football questions here. 
Yes. What? Why does Ryan Day not run a quarterback sneak? Like, what? <laughs> I is, have is there some, no like idea. In, in some concept? I, I'm I'm being like somewhat sarcastic, but I I I actually wonder like is there a strategy that I just don't understand why he won't line up Kyle McCord, who's a big kid under center, and just try to run forward for so sometimes a yard or half a yard. Like, why don't you do it? I don't, it's, I don't get it. It's the ultimate keep it simple, stupid. Like, it's keep it simple. Like, we need a yard. Hey, let's not run 30, 40 yards side to side. Just go forward. Just literally go forward. We don't need – you don't need 10 yards. Just catch the ball and, and get pushed from behind. There's no rules against pushing. Um, you know, so it's like get the ball and just fall forward. And I, that's one thing that I have no idea. I watched it in the Browns game today like three or four times. They was like motion guys in to take a snap. I don't understand it. Just get the quarterback underneath center. He's the best ball handler on the team. Get it, get the snap, fall forward, move the sticks. I don't know. I, it's a it's a great question that I don't have a good answer for you to today. Now, the reality is, and we'll wrap our show tonight with this, uh, I, I – I like what Ohio state has at running back. And mm -hmm. I think that we might look back on this team at the end of the season and think about the running back depth as the unsung hero, right? You're not going to see quite the same love shined on that group that you see at wide receiver. If the defense continues to play the way it is, they're going to get a lot of attention. Um, Trevion Henderson obviously gets plenty of love because he's this home run hitter kind of guy for sure. And he showcased it yesterday with incredible breakaway speed. Chip Trainum has basically usurped Mayan Williams on the depth chart. I mean, it you know, mm -hmm. nobody's straight out said that, but he's gotten all the number two carries in meaningful moments these last couple weeks, and most especially yesterday. Um, I don't think it's a, a, a slam against Mayan Williams. Chip's just been that good, and Travion's got a little better top-end speed so he's going to be your starter because that's what Ryan Day wants on the field. He wants speed. You know, Evan Pryor got hurt. And that really stinks. And it's going to be hard for him to find time to get on the field. And everybody wants to see Dallin Hayden. When's Dallin Hayden going to get chances? He looked good last year. There's only one football, and you got to figure out how to how to make this all work. But I, I think the depth in that room takes pressure off of Kyle McCord. It just circles back to we need to see this team run block a little bit better. And, and I hope that those two things can can correlate because Tony Alford's got a room right now that I think is really special. And when you can when you can filter in guys like that and you can have fresh legs, that's the biggest thing in my opinion, right? When you come out in the first quarter and everyone's got fresh legs and you Travion's running against them, they're pounding, they're pounding, they're pounding, right? It goes into the second quarter. Chip starts getting some carries. They're pounding, they're pounding. Right. Then you can start getting the third and fourth quarter and you got you've now been rotating uh, three running backs or two or whatever it's going to turn out to be. And these guys got fresh legs going against a defense who's just been just taking a beating all game long with fresh guys every single time. And that wears on a team. And when you can run the football, um, I, I got, I've said this a number of times. I'm going to continue to say it as long as we're doing a show together. Running the football um, is something that every team needs to be able to do. Um, and Ohio State's got three horses back there, man, that takes so much pressure off a quarterback, whether it's a veteran guy like C.J. Stroud or it's a new new guy like Kyle McCord. Like, when you're able to run the football, it, 
the whole weight of the world isn't on the quarterback shoulders. It's you can spread it out. Um, and, and there's, there's everything opens up when you have that ability. So what they have in that backfield is, is something that, again, you talk national championship, that's something that is consistent throughout, you know, a lot of national title teams is a great running back room. The calendar officially turned from summer to fall this weekend. And uh, we were treated to the most spectacular late summer, early fall night you could hope for. Uh, between a clash of college football titans in an iconic setting in front of a national audience in a game that became the most expensive ticket in the history of college football uh, and in the most magical of moments late in the game in front of touchdown Jesus, Kyle McCord leads Ohio State uh, on a game-winning drive. And you think about what he's been through, what Chip Trainum's been through, transferring. He's an Akron kid, plays for one of the preeminent high school football teams in the country right now, and Archbishop Hoban wanted to be a running back at Ohio State. The Buckeyes said, a mm, little more interested in you as a linebacker. So he goes to Arizona State to prove that he can be a running back, transfers back home to be a linebacker, and then finds himself because of need in the running back room, and he's the one that scores that touchdown last night. Uh, by the way, for what it's worth, his high school coach, Tim Tyrell, told me that he thought a couple of years ago that Chip Trainum could be an NFL linebacker or an NFL running back. I'll be interested to follow that storyline along the way. Obviously, looks like the, the running back side might uh, might have better future at the moment. Um, but Cade Stover and his leadership and his his big moments last night, Xavier Johnson got one chance to make a big play, 40-yard catch, huge moment. Um just time and time again, it felt like the kind of game where you couldn't get rid of the goosebumps. And Ohio State put uh, put on a performance that fans will never, ever forget. And that when it was all done, almost Baker Mayfield planting the flag style in the shoe. Ryan Day planted a flag on Lou Holtz and said, I don't know what that's all about, but I love this team. These guys are warriors and quit questioning our toughness. Uh, and Ohio State goes into the bye on a 17-14 win with one big old exclamation point in South Bend. Yeah, I don't want you. You were you were on one right there, so I was going to let you go. I was going to let you go. That was, uh, that was that was pretty good. I didn't want to say something dumb after that. Uh, that was perfect. That was a perfect way to go. <laughs> well, then we'll wrap it from there. All right, we'll uh, we'll be live tomorrow morning, 7 a.m., with plenty of clips from uh, yesterday's game. We'll break down the film and let you know what we liked, let you know what we didn't. Um, it's always better when you're learning from a, a game where you win, and uh, Ohio State has that opportunity uh, to get healthy this week and uh, to get off their feet and uh, to go into the bye 4-0. Uh, we have since learned, by the way, that Ryan Day is not going to speak to the media on Tuesday as normally scheduled. That doesn't mean – it's a guarantee we won't hear from him this week. Uh, we know he's still scheduled to do his radio show on Thursday, but uh, there will not be media availability tomorrow or Tuesday at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center at the earliest right now. Um, the first thing we would potentially have is uh, a chance to talk to players after practice on Wednesday. So the guys are getting a little chance to take a deep breath uh, during the bye week as well. So uh, we've still got lots of coverage coming for you. We hope you'll be a part of that. Uh, of course, we rip the audio off of this video broadcast and post the audio by itself. If you enjoy listening to audio podcasts, just know that tomorrow morning we're not going to do that because it's kind of silly to do a film breakdown without the video component. So if you're listening to this after the fact, 
Uh, please join us tomorrow morning, or if you're interested, just go over to our YouTube channel. You can find us pretty easily. The Buckeye Breakdown Podcast, Buckeyes Now on Sports Illustrated. All right. For Anthony Meglin, I'm Brendan Gulick. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, the Sunday night football game coming up here shortly. And uh, I, I'm sure that folks around the country are still relishing and should be a big Ohio State win. 17-14, beating the Irish and keeping those uh, perfect season dreams still very much intact.